welcome to the Coffee Chat. Today, I'm speaking to Julie Conrad of Cleveland Ayurveda. Julie is a certified Ayurvedic health counselor and Hatha yoga instructor. She recently completed over 650 hours of coursework in Ayurvedic health with the Himalayan Institute. In this episode, we discuss the basics of Ayurveda, including the three doshas and some of the most important things to know about this practice. Fun fact, Ayurveda originated in India over 5,000 years ago and is the oldest continuously practiced medical system in the world. We also talk about balance and we discuss vikriti, which is an imbalance, and some tactical steps to find more balance and alignment in your life. Just a heads up, we say the word balance a lot this episode, but I think it's really important with the changing seasons and general feelings of imbalance right now. This episode will leave you with a few practical takeaways. Julie is so helpful in walking through the fundamentals, and it's a really interesting and detailed practice, and I felt so lucky to talk to her and to learn more about Ayurveda from her. I really hope you love it. With that, please welcome Julie Conrad. How did you become interested in Ayurveda and start Cleveland Ayurveda? Oh boy. So I, I've been teaching yoga for probably over 15 years here in Cleveland. And I had heard about Ayurveda just through some readings, um, but I was actually at a yoga festival in Nantucket of all places. And it was um, their, you know, yoga festival in the summer. And I signed up to take intro to Ayurveda. And when I went, and it was much like the, the talks that I do now that I offer to people, um, it was, you know, an hour and the introduction to the doshas and um, the intuitive way at which we work to heal our bodies, I, real- I just resonated with me. It just felt like everything I'd been searching for and not finding and realizing how kind of simple it was, which was wonderful to me. Um, and so I dove into it. And then I ended up studying at the Himalayan Institute, which is in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. There's an ashram there. And uh, then I went to graduate school because I just couldn't get enough. And then I came back um, home and was thinking, everyone should know about this. Um, it's something that can be so helpful. But not many people in Cleveland know or have ever even heard of the word Ayurveda, let alone be able to say it, right? (laughs) It took me a long time to be able to say it. Um, And I thought, you know what? There's so many therapies that that are available um, to do through Ayurveda, but first it's important to educate about what it is. Um, And I felt the need to start a business where I could share the wisdom um, in the form of talks, in the form of lectures, um, anything I could do to get it out into the world. And then um, 
really trying to encourage people to sign up for consultations um, so I could work with them one-on-one. But first I felt like they, they, you know, most people just need to know what it is or I'm never going to get any clients, right? I could sit around waiting for people to come to me and it just through my website and it would just be very difficult. Do you find yourself ever getting nervous talking in front of large crowds like that? Or, you know, I know that you've done a lot of the sort of larger group settings and my mom was one of the people who has been to some of those. Do you ever get nervous? Um, How do you go about like prepping for those? What has that sort of been like? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, So I really enjoy people. So I don't get really nervous to speak. I get more nervous to speak like this on a podcast than I do um, out in front of a hundred people or whatever it is, because I feel like there's an energy transfer there and I can really get to see people's expressions and how they're receiving the information. What I did get nervous about though was explaining this wisdom in a way that's that people could digest and understand and not give too much information. This is always my problem in the beginning because I want to share everything that I know and I want people to be able to find health and healing through that. But I've every time I do a talk, I refine, refine, and refine. And I take what people resonated with, what they understood, and then... I, I really focus on this is getting through. Maybe these concepts are too much too soon because they can use just the simplest knowledge here to make huge changes. So that that's what I get nervous about is don't get ahead of yourself, Julie. People need to take this in slowly digest it. And then maybe if they're interested, we'll move on. (laughs) And that's funny because in the first um, talk that I had, and I believe it's the one that your mom was at, I had said, I had mentioned about the six tastes. And that's that's something in Ayurveda that we work with a lot. And someone started to ask about it. And I said, well, well, that's in part two. But there, there really was no part two, but I was just referencing the fact that I can't get it in now. So afterwards, everyone was like, when is part two? <laughs> so it was great. So I got to create another part of the series. Yeah, and that's a good way to sort of, like you said, refine. And um, it's something I'm working on as well for podcasting that you'll probably notice throughout this interview. Um, Cool. So for the newcomer, how would you describe Ayurveda and the main principles you mentioned, the doshas? um, How would you sort of describe those? Sure. I'm working on my elevator speech for this because it's, it, it's not, I don't want to say it's complicated, but um, there's a bit to it that takes just a little bit of explaining. So Ayurveda, if you break down that Sanskrit word into two, it's Ayur, A-Y-U-R. And in Ayur means life and Veda means knowledge. So it's basically the knowledge of life. Okay, so what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We're all, we're all practicing life every day. Um, so it originated in India more than 5,000 years ago, and it's the oldest continually practiced healthcare system in the world. It predates Oriental medicine, actually. Um, And this practice comes from the understanding of nature's laws and rhythms. So think circadian rhythms. And it was built around the five elements. So we use space, air, water, and earth. And the practice teaches us how to live in harmony with with these ideas and these rhythms through diets and lifestyle and routines. 
And it's rooted in the knowledge. This is what I really like to, for people to understand is it's rooted in the knowledge that humans, you and I, right, we, we need to follow the same rules and laws as every other living thing in nature. Like we're no different. We're, you know, it's not like we're, we're special in that way. We really have to um, follow these same rules. And if we don't, and these rules, meaning circadian rhythms, right? If we ignore these rules, then we're going to be, we're going to find imbalance in the body. And we're going to eventually, if we don't address those, that those will develop into disease. So what we do is we take a look at the whole person, body, mind, and spirits, right? We use this idea of where is the person out of balance? And then we recognize where the natural elements are in the person. So if I'm looking at you for the first time, I'm noticing your physical structure. I'm noticing your skin. I'm noticing your height, your bones, your teeth, all of these things to determine what we call your born-in institution or your constitution. So we call that prakruti, which is, this is how you came into the world, right? I'm 5'10". I'm never going to be petite. I can't change that, right? Someone that's petite, they're never going to be six foot, right? It's that's just part of it. And then these ideas we've talked about of the doshas. So these are the natural elements and their combinations that form into the body. So for example, vata, the three doshas that you'll see most uh, that you will see are called vata, pitta, and kapha. And these three doshas, everyone has them. Okay, so. Oftentimes people, and it's kind of part of the learning process too, but at the beginning, it's like, oh, I'm Pitta, oh, I'm Vada, oh, I'm, and it's fun, right? We can, we can categorize ourselves, and I think as human beings, we like to categorize. Um, it, it helps us bring understanding to ourselves. But what I want people to understand is that you are not just one. You are all of them and in combination. So Vata is air and space, Okay, so that's one part of us. Pitta is fire and water. Those combine to form pitta. And then water and earth combine to form kapha. So how I describe it, if, I, if you were to say to me right now, explain it, and I don't know if this is um, a perfect analogy, but it, people seem to resonate. So in creation, however you came into the world, whatever your beliefs or whatever you know, science says, you came into a physical manifestation right? So what you do is you look at that physical body and you imagine that like this universal soup that we're all made out of, right? Has, is kind of made of water, air, earth, space, and fire. So you have this big pot of soup and when you got created, you got a scoop, right? And I got a scoop and all the other people in the world got a scoop. So what I do as an Ayurvedic health counselor is I'm looking to see, right, how much earth is in your soup? Meaning you might say like you have, you got a huge scoop of potatoes (laughs) and a ton of spice and not a lot of broth, right? There's not a lot else. It's just like dense. But then your friend might have so much broth, no noodles, right? A few little potatoes and carrots. You know, we understand food. That's why I like to use that analogy. Um, You know, and so I look to see how much of these elements constitute this person to figure out, uh, first of all, what their nature is. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, that makes sense. And I was definitely one of those people who, as I was researching, was like, oh, I feel like I'm very pitta or, you know, very hata. Yeah, which is, which, yeah, which is very good to notice that because that's what we use. Um, so we have these combinations, right? So you know, okay, I, I feel like I'm more this, or I see that my body is, is made this way. So the combination of these forces is the doshas. And Everyone has, like I said, everyone has all of them, but we're trying to find out kind of what our blueprint is. But at the end of the day, Olivia, that's the least important when I'm treating someone. Um, I want to see what their vikriti is, which the vikriti is the current imbalance. So if you came to me and said, my digestion is so off and I am completely constipated and I, you know, I'm having all of this dryness and da, 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 da. I'm looking to see the qualities, which I'll share with you in a moment. What are the qualities showing up in you? And then I'll know which of these Vata Pitta Kappa are in excess. Okay. Then I use your Prakriti to say, well, Olivia is normally this way. This is her normal. It's the way she's been pre-adolescent has had this sort of bodily constitution, right? So how can I work with the imbalance to bring her back to her normal? And this is why we can't all thrive with the same diet or we can't all necessarily um, be cured by the same uh, medications um, because every body is different. Got it. So it's less about which one you are and more about how to find balance between all of them. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yes. So that's why, because that's really what you know, right? So if you have a rash, all you're thinking about is your rash, not that, you know, well, I'm a Vada, right? right. You're thinking, wait, wait, I have a rash. That's, that means there is excess pitta or heat in my body. So let's look there first. Got it. And so some of these, you were saying pitta is heat. So you notice different things about, I guess, some of them like coming into your life or how would you? So I think the, the best way to, to describe it would be to tell you what the qualities are. So if, if your listeners understand what the qualities are, and I'm going to give this to you so you'll be able to share it with them, then um, and they'll be able to download it. But each of them, vata, pitta, and kappa, have qualities. And we call those the gunas. And we look at those qualities to determine which one we're dealing with, right? So right now, with, with vata, we're talking about anything that's dry, light, mobile, right? Um, and cold, so those go in that category. Then we look at pitta. Pitta is typically hot, sharp, smooth, mobile, oily. Okay, and this this can apply to your mind, your body, your um, your how your body is responding to anything. They're just qualities. Um, and then kappa is cold, heavy, oily, wet, and static. So just with those qualities, you could look right now at your digestion and say, oh, right, like if I was experiencing diarrhea, that would be hot, right? And it would be, it could be sharp, 
right? So you might say, oh my gosh, I'm having this hot and mobile experience in my body. But you might be constipated, it might be dry, might be totally dry. So then you're looking at that. So, or you could be looking at your skin. Oh, in the summer, my skin is kind of oily, but then it's really dry in the fall. And then you start to look at how you would balance that. And the key is if nobody understands what I'm talking about, just remember whatever you're feeling, do the, it, it, that's out of balance that you feel, oh, I'm really dry. <laughs> just go to the opposite to fix it. So if you're in excess, you go to the opposite. So you would take, right, if you're dry, you go to oily or you, right, you go to finding those opposites. If you're cold, we warm up. It's an intuition. Mm-hmm. And that, going back to your original question, how do I, how did I get interested in it? It was that it made sense. It was that, duh, right? Like, I always tell people, if I'm saying stuff to you and you're going, okay, this isn't rocket science, I, get, I, I would do that anyway. Right, right. Go back to your, go back to your intuition and trust it. Definitely. Yeah, and it seems like it's just the idea of finding balance is so intuitive Mm -hmm. and this just really like explains it in a way that you don't normally get with, um, I guess like traditional medicine. Yeah. And I think it's really just because we haven't been, um, the, the further we get away from the origins of how we took care of ourselves, right. And science and technology and things keep getting better and better. Um, it can't replace our intuitiveness because, and we're not taught that. Like I try to teach my kids to trust that what they're feeling is real. Um, what they're feeling is we let's look at that, right? Just not only from a gut feeling, right? That, that we teach them, but also hunger. I'm not hungry. What do little kids do like toddlers? If they're not hungry, they're not going to eat. Right? When they're tired, they're going to sleep. And where did we lose that? <laughs> where did, well, how, did we, how did we decide that we needed to like Google search how many hours of sleep we need? Like, <laughs> you know, there's recommendations. And I think this, this is what Western medicine is great at giving recommendations. But at the same time, that can't replace your intuitiveness. And, and we hear this all the time where we're, we're told to follow a certain health protocol and it doesn't work and it completely backfires or something like you say, Oh my gosh, Julie, I had this extremely amazing experience on this cleanse. And so I say, give me that cleanse. Cause I want to do it. Cause I want to feel and look as good as you. And then I have a completely opposite reaction and I'm suffering because of it. So that's really what I try to help people understand is that you are already correct that these things don't work for everybody. And it's kind of liberating because now whenever those ads come up about diet or exercise, you're like, eh, it doesn't apply to me. So I can, I don't, I don't have to look at that. (laughs) Yeah, it is motivating for sure to know that you know, just going back to like finding your own balance and in- using your intuition. I think that it is actually very motivating. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned before just about 
things changing and maybe one day you feel more oily and then a month or two later you feel more dry and that just sort of made me think about right now with the seasons changing and a lot of that sort of coming up for myself and for other mm-hmm. people I'm sure and so I guess besides you know of course like using your intuition how do you recommend people find balance when the seasons are changing in particular? Sure. That's a great question. First, what I would say is understand that through the Ayurvedic lens, every season associates with one of the dosha. So this is what's really cool is that we, there's all these little maps in Ayurveda that you get to use that to, to balance because first of all, balance the word. I love sharing this because we don't think about it. Balance is actually a verb. It, it, it isn't stable and static, right? It, it moves up and down. So we have moments of feeling great and then not so great, great and not so great. And especially right now, it's an hour to hour, right? We're feeling our mental states, everything else. So, so what I show folks is that there is a seasonal clock. There is also an hourly clock, And there is a clock for our age range that all associate perfectly in alignment with these dosha. So I'll explain that really quick. So in um, when we're talking about the seasons, as your first question was, so this time of year, if we were to go back to the qualities and we were to say, well, it's dry, it's light, it's windy, right? It's um, the dryness of the crispy leaves, right? The wind in the air and the mobility of movement, right? And also just change a lot of times, right? Where our routines are changing and there's a roughness also to the season. So that's a vata. So the second principle, the one that I wanted you to remember that balance the opposite when you're out of balance The other thing that you can remember to back that up is like increases like. So I say like equal sign like. So if you know that you tend to be dry, right, that you tend to be light, like a body type of a vata is very narrow, no, not a lot of hips, right, very um, thin, can't keep weight on, right, because they're very mobile. Um, their body doesn't hold the same way a kapha body does, that in the fall season, you are more likely, because like increases like, to go out of balance. So you could be a really strong, sturdy, healthy person, but you do know that you are vata, you have an increase of vata just by nature, right? Your soup is more um, spacious. (laughs) So you are going to want to make sure that you prepare yourself for the shift into fall. Now, a kapha person that has more stability is not going to be affected so much by the change of the season. They might love the, you know, that, that season. And it may make you, say if you are very vata, um, you may feel more anxious. You may feel more ungrounded. Um, you may feel just generally out of whack, um, more flighty, more forgetful. Those things happen, you know, to everybody, but 
maybe not as noticeable to Pitta's and to Kaffa. And I say these, you know, I'm defining those characteristics again, but that's, that's just an idea of understanding yourself. So if you know, you already know, right? Everybody out there can already go, I know I struggle in the fall. I know I struggle in the heat of summer, right? I know spring is my time that I have a, a very difficult time. So then Pitta would be in the summer, right, where it's hot and fiery and, um, you know, people tend to rash and have all these different things happen um, that have to do with Pitta. And Kappas, they usually have, if they have a higher level of that um, Kappa constitution, spring. Because if you think of spring, what is it? It's like cold and muddy, <laughs> right? So those qualities of cold, sticky, stable. And we're like, oh God, I can't, we all suffer from excess kapha in Cleveland. We yeah. do because this spring was like really long, right? So you never know how intense it's going to be. But if you live somewhere, the seasons can be very different. So one of the first questions I ask clients is where were you born, right? Where, where did you grow up? Because if you grew up in Florida, it's going to be a very different experience, right? Than growing up in Cleveland, even, you know, I look at people that live in, choose to retire to Florida and those that re- choose to live in Arizona. They're very different, right? So one body may feel like the humidity is just very uncomfortable and they, it just doesn't serve them where the drier environment is better. And it's nothing conscious that they're probably thinking about. They're just going, eh, I don't like it there. I like it here. Mm-hmm. So in fall, we often feel a a very big bump in our well-being, um, especially here in Cleveland, because, you know, in the Midwest, we don't know, winter could start early and hang on forever, (laughs) feel like forever. So we start to go into this, oh boy, here comes the gray, I'm getting a little depressed. And some people really suffer with that. So We treat that by saying, all right, let's think about how we can support ourselves during this time. How can we do the opposite of dry, right? Rough, cold, mobile, all these things. How can we do that? Well, the first thing that I tell people is ground and whatever that means for you. Okay. So grounding practices, and this is something that I teach in the workshops about how to ground, but Think just whatever makes you feel solid and stable. For some people, that is their food, right? That they just naturally change to heavier, more comfort foods. Um, Grounding might mean just not doing as much, taking some time to stabilize. Um, All those things are perfect. They're doing it right. If you're doing that, you're doing it right. Um, And there are a lot of things that we use in Ayurveda, like oiling, like self-body oiling. We'll do grounding meditation practices. We'll do, this is interesting for those that do yoga, is that in the fall, as a yoga teacher, and I teach yoga teachers this, is that to do a practice is great, right? It's no matter when, but it's how you do it. So Ayurveda is always about, right, how and when. So I'm going to do a yoga practice in the fall. I'm going to teach a yoga class. I'm going to look what's going on outside. And if I see that it's really windy and wet or cold or fall kind of has just entered in, 
I'm not going to move my class all around crazy doing vinyasa up and down, up and down, around, right? Like, ooh, a dancey flow would not serve the student. They might love it. They might think they love it. But what will serve their nervous system, what will serve their overall feelings of well-being are going to be something that's grounding. So we can still move. We can move dynamically, but stable. So, right, it'll be less uh, chaturangas and, um, you know, flowing and more hatha postures that are grounding. We might take a longer relaxation at the end in Shavasana that focuses on putting something over the body like a blanket to help support the person and keep them stable and steady. That's interesting. So um, for anyone listening who is maybe um, noticing with the change of seasons being out of balance, something that they could do is think about more like grounding postures, doing yoga that's a little bit more balancing and stabilizing rather than something that you might do um, in like spring or summer that's just a little bit more high impact. Right. Like the best time to be doing a vinyasa power yoga class would be in the spring. Because you don't want to move. It's like if you made it to class, you know, when we were back in the real world, if you made it to class, that's that that's half the battle, right? But then I have to get you to move, which is, you know, sometimes for kappas, because like increases like, if they're just feeling heavy and they're kind of heavier by nature, they're going to be really disappointed when I say, we're going to move today. Right. <laughs> They're going to go, oh God, I want to put my legs up the wall and just stay here. Um, so that's a time to heat up the body, get things flowing, get the Agni, get your everything moving, the prana in your body, start to feel this regeneration because that's what spring is. It's a time of like moving up and out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but and then in the summer, you're not going to want to raise your blood temperature and the heat in your body to a sweat, like a drenched sweat, because what'll happen is you'll dehydrate. You will, you, your tissues will suffer. Um, This idea of detoxifying in the summer when you're already hot and sweating by nature, do not dysregulate your body in that way. It's not helping you. Um, and that's difficult to, to understand to someone that really loves it. Um, but when they understand what they're doing, it, it, they'll come to it on their own because they'll know there's a time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's not, I don't want to say it's wrong. Doing yoga in general is wonderful for anyone. And if it brings you joy, do it. But you're just noticing and learn, maybe learning for the first time that this is maybe not the best way to use that practice. That's when I would bring in the Ayurvedic clock and say, you know, because there's different times of day to be doing different things. So you could probably guess the pitta time of day, you know, if you think of heat would be in the middle of the day, right? Like noon, two o'clock. Don't do your power vinyasa at your lunch break. (laughs) It's just in the middle of summer. It just wouldn't be helpful for you. But maybe you would do it in the very early morning or the late evening. So you can you can tweak these things. You know, I got to meet people where they're at, Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. 
This was so helpful. Thank you. And lastly, where can listeners find you? Sure. So you can reach me at clevelandayurveda.com, which is A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A, but it'll be in the notes. Um, And you can also reach me at the same place on Instagram and Facebook. Um, And I'm also on a show called Crushing Doubt. And you can also look up Julie Conrad at uh, crushingdoubt.org. And that's all about psychosomatic illness and working with Dr. Dan Ratner, who explores um, these incredible healing stories from people who've had chronic pain or just long-term pain. So I encourage everyone to tune in. That'll be, that'll be uh, airing soon. We just got into about our fourth episode. Wow, that's awesome. I will definitely check it out and link everything in the show notes. This yeah. is so, so helpful. I, I mean, I loved everything you said. Even for me, I'm like finding myself out of balance lately. So like, I feel like I'm going to listen to this again. And Yes. There's one thing I wanted to add in, if you don't mind, because I think yeah. it'll be really helpful for right now. So one of the things when I was talking about the fall season, mm-hmm. Right now, because of the pandemic that we're experiencing and everything that's going on to disrupt our life, I want people to understand something really interesting is happening because normally in the summer, we've, we've expended a lot of energy. We've been social. We've been traveling. And so there's this natural tendency to move into fall and start to go within, start to do some practices at home, get cozy and start nesting. But we've been doing that for mm-hmm. months. And so there's a little bit of dysregulation in our bodies, because in our minds, definitely, because we're thinking, I have pent up energy, maybe, of stuff I haven't done normally. I'm alone or I'm lonely because I haven't been social. I haven't gone anywhere. Those that are very vata, they want to be traveling and moving a lot. So they haven't been able to do that. And we're all looking through this tunnel of the winter months. And so what I want to just share is that it's normal because we're going through very abnormal and our seasonal transition has kind of been jacked up a little bit, <laughs> you know, it's, sure. it's, um, it's not a normal situation. And so we can talk later about ways to cope through this um, for everyone uh, that can understand that this isn't normal and it's okay to feel like none of the things that you normally do are working. I think that's really comforting to hear because, you can try all kinds of stuff and then it doesn't work. And you're wondering if why it's not working now when normally this is what you're doing. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like we skipped summer and yes. you know the activities of summer and jumped right to fall. And even I feel like um, working is, has been out of balance for me lately too. Like I used to always enjoy a summer vacation and closing the laptop at night and going home. And now it's like both of those things are, are gone. It's the laptop is always open and there haven't been the, the summer Absolutely. activities. Absolutely. And 
people don't even know what day or month it is. That's our first indication, right? If we're using our intuition, like I'm thinking about the fact that I really have no idea what day it is. Yeah. <laughs> we're, you know, so that that in itself, if you think about it, is is give yourself some credit because you're doing a really good job because it's tough. <laughs> this is the best way to end. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting me share this with your audience. I'm just really excited to, and I'm excited to come back and share more. Thank you so much, Julie, for joining the coffee chat today. If you're interested in learning more about Ayurveda and finding balance in your life, check out her free resources at clevelandayurveda.com. You can also find Julie on Instagram at clevelandayurveda. I'll link everything in the show notes. Here's my favorite takeaway from my interview with Julie. A lot of the focus of Ayurveda is about finding balance. Julie even reminded me that balance is a verb, which I hadn't thought about in a while. Balance is not something that just happens and stays still forever. It's something you have to keep working towards and doing different things to find balance in your life. It's also not a one-size-fits-all approach. So balance for me means something totally different than balance for someone else. And that's really the exciting part of this practice for me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like the show, please leave us a review and subscribe. You can also find us on Instagram at the Coffee Chat Podcast. Thanks so much for joining. See you next time.